it taught me um, uh, something about people skills, you know, how to interact with people, um, not to be afraid of people and not to be afraid to open up to people and just have that little bit of um, vulnerability to yourself so that something happens. That was DJ and St. John Coltrane Church pastor, Wanika King-Stevens. I'm Jeff, and this is Storied San Francisco. In this podcast, we get to know Wanika through her stories of her parents' move to San Francisco when she was only four months old. Thanks to her dad, the family is steeped in music, especially jazz, and especially John Coltrane. Wanika grew up constantly listening to records and eventually teaching herself to play bass. Quick shout out to Reverend Arnold Townsend for connecting us with Wanika. Check back Thursday for part two and her story of life after high school. Here's Wanika. I am third generation San Franciscan. And my son, I have one child, um, my son, Lewis, he was actually born and mm. raised here in San Francisco. Okay. And he's a student at the University of San Francisco. Oh, right over here. Right up the street. Yeah, yes. Awesome. <laughs> um, so my parents moved here, uh, I want to say, in the, uh, in the early 60s, okay. mid-60s. And... Um, where did they move from? They moved from Los Angeles, California. Okay. Yeah. Do you know what it was that brought them here? Um, well, so my parents were uh, young. They were a young couple. And uh, Los Angeles at that time, I think the political climate was pretty hot back there. Um, and being African-American, they just felt like having a child now Los Angeles is probably mm. not the best choice. Got it. So they moved out here to San Francisco. Okay. Northern California, which I guess is a little calmer. <laughs> it's definitely different. Yeah. I mean, broadly different. And, yeah. And yeah. Um, I guess different at the time. Yes. Not as hot. Not as hot. Yeah. And literally and figuratively. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So we moved from that scene out here. And uh, this is where I grew up. Yeah. I went to public schools here. Um, we lived in different parts of the Bay Area, lived in the uh, Bayview um, and um, uh, Visitation Valley. Mm-hmm. Uh, we lived in the Western Edition for a while. Um, but making I grew your way up, north. Making our way north. <laughs> yeah. But I, I really grew up in Visitation Valley. Uh, okay. That's where I, I spent my formative years there. Um, and and then and start it in the Bayview Hunters Point. Got it. And yeah. I know better than to ask anyone their age. Uh, but can you tell us roughly when it was? Like what decade were you growing up? Well, 60s I, or 70s? I already told on myself. So I said, you know, they came out here in the mid '60s. And you came with them. And I came with. I'm them. sorry, I missed that. Part. Yes. Okay. 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 <laughs> She's just making me do it again. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let's make sure we got that on tape. That's just my memory. <laughs> exactly. Uh, no, but okay, so so you came with them, got it. And I you came with them. don't remember that. You were too young to remember that move. I have no recollection. I could really 
play the president right now. I just have no recollection of that at all. Right. Yeah. But so um, are your earliest memories in the Bayview then or more Visitation Valley? Yeah, I have I have early memories uh, in the Bayview Hunters Point. I, I went to kindergarten there. Okay. And um, do you want to say which school? I think it was McKinley. Okay. And it was I. The only thing I loved about McKinley was uh, Mrs. Blackman. Miss mm. Blackman. She was my kindergarten teacher. She was awesome. I loved getting up every day, going to uh, my kindergarten class, and. Um, hanging out in the, in the classroom. She was a great introduction to class, but a little bit deceptive because oh. I thought all teachers were like her, and then I found out quickly they right. were not. <laughs> right. <laughs> that was just her. Yeah. Yeah. Did So was that your first, or are those your first kind of memories of significant time outside of your, your family's home, would you say? Yeah, I and would you... say so. School and outside, you know, playing outside, that was... That was it. Miss yeah. um, Blackman was really cool. I remember um, she let my dad come into the classroom one time, uh, who was not Archbishop King at the time, but definitely oh. an, a, a dear listener okay. of the music of John Coltrane. Right. And so, you know, you can bring your parents to school and mm -hmm. have like a kind of show and tell thing. Right. Well, he brought John Coltrane's Africa Brass album no to way. the classroom. And, wow. you know, the teachers would have that little record player mm -hmm. in the corner. Was it little? It's the like little a Fisher record Price? player. Yeah. And she put it on there. And the, the speaker and everything's just all kind of built into mm -hmm. the, the one the unit. One you, yeah. Yes. Well, she put that on. And the class was so excited by the music that we all just started jumping up and dancing. Kids were on the tables, wow. and the principal came in and, um, you know, immediately blessed Miss Blackman out. Like, what's going on in here? Right, y'all were having too much. <laughs> exactly, fun. but I remember the excitement of that moment and and the the energy of the music and how it made us all feel. For you though, uh, did your dad play jazz and and Coltrane records at home? Was it unusual for you to hear your dad? playing that or was or were you like well that's my dad show and tell exactly I mean that the, the music was always in the home okay you know and of course it was all kinds of music mm -hmm. so we we listened to John Coltrane of course um, um, but you know I remember my dad telling me the story that when John Coltrane died I responded to him by saying, you know, I want to hear some Charlie Parker. That's oh, my man. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So. How old were you? I, mean, I, I was guess. about three. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So music was always, and records and other Aretha stuff. Aretha Franklin, Marvin Gaye, yeah. uh, you know, James Brown, Sly Stone, uh, and then, of course, uh, Willie Nelson. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I'm from Texas. Yeah. So Willie's my dad my... listened to country music. That's all he was allowed to listen to growing up. Okay. Yeah. Do you want to go into any of his stories of how he got into music or? Uh, I mean, only as much as I can. I, sure. I can't really tell his story, but I right. do know that as the son of a, um, an evangelist in the Pentecostal church, okay. it's a very strict sort of upbringing mm -hmm. and so um the if they were to listen to quote unquote music in the world um 
it would be country music. Got it. And so he li- he was able to listen to country music, of course, church music. Yeah. Um, which is some of the best music mm-hmm. that you want to hear. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I, I go to the Pentecostal church just for the music. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah. Well, I, mean, I think that's, is it rock and roll that they say is based on partly on like gospel music? And Well, you know, that's, that's, that's the history of it. it. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, Africans that came over here uh, during the slave trade, uh, we brought everything that we have with us, all right. of our culture, our food, our music, everything. Mm-hmm. And so that's definitely been a part of it. So you have those sounds and those rhythms and those chords coming from Africa, moving through the Mississippi Delta, New Orleans, and influencing it. And finally you get things like rock and roll and jazz and gospel and blues Mm. and all of that good stuff. I love it. Yeah. Um, Do you have siblings? I do. I do. So you weren't the only one kid in the house growing up? I I was for a while. Okay. For the first four years, almost four years, I was the only one. I was the princess. A little spoiled. Just, yes, the (laughs) world revolved around me. Yes. And then my sister came home. And ruined everything. (laughs) In the beginning, I I thought, I certainly thought that's how it was. Of course, we are best friends. Awesome. Now, I was talking to her on the phone, actually, when you came up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, But yeah, my sister, and then uh, four years after that, and then my little brother. Okay. Yeah. And both of them, I should say, are talented musicians. So my sister is an amazing singer. Um, we actually had a band uh, back in the 80s called Mystic Youth with Iskeeda and the Iriites. Oh, my God. And my sister was Iskeeda. Okay. And our band Mystic Youth um, was up for Bammy Awards uh, one year. Way. And my sister Makita won Best Female Vocalist in a Reggae Band. Amazing. Was that were they based here in the city? It or? was right here in the city of San Francisco. And we were all minors, so we we couldn't play clubs. So we played the college circuit and we played festivals. Uh, what did you do in that band? I was uh, the leader. Okay. Of course. Okay. No. <laughs> it was my band, and I played bass. Okay. And I wrote a lot of the, a lot of the songs, but it um, it was a, you know we worked together. So myself, Iskeeda, Anthony Bryant, uh, who is my brother, not physically, but you know he's my brother, and uh, he played drums, and we wrote a lot of the songs together. We would come together and write a lot of the songs, and Amazing. we have one song that my dad even wrote, Miss America. <laughs> sitting there as well yeah my mom would sing background vocals for us sometimes oh my god and you already mentioned sly stone i was like it's a family affair yeah it's a family affair and of course my brother fronzo is a a very talented musician he Mm -hmm. plays tenor saxophone and Mm -hmm. uh he's played with a lot of the jazz artists here uh on the scene um i'm just waiting for him to come back Where is he now? He's he's in the he's in the East Bay. He's not that far. Ah, okay. But uh, just an amazing tenor saxophonist. Yeah. Can you so though the the Mystic Youth? Yes. Band, Mystic that was youth. maybe in your teens or so. Yes. Yes. I was still in high school. Can you get us from 
Ken from Miss Blackman's class in kindergarten. Like when when did you and then eventually your siblings uh, start singing and playing instruments? And and was that encouraged by your parents or? Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't remember that we were ever forced to like play an instrument. Mm-hmm. The music was just always around us. Mm-hmm. And so you almost felt like if you weren't doing something, right. what are you doing? What's wrong with right, you? Right, exactly. Yeah. So you try to sing, uh, you, you clap your hands, you um, you get involved. Uh, certainly, you know, growing up uh, in the church, uh, the music is always there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've always enjoyed the music of the church. Um, we, I, you know, I think that, musical thing in this family has evolved in so many different ways, right? So there was the early stage that I talked about where we're just sort of listening to all these wonderful artists. I can remember hearing Aretha Franklin and the uh, the Southern Baptist Choir blaring in the house, my mom, and Billie Holiday. Mm. My, my mother was always singing, mm. always singing. Okay. I mean washing the dishes she was singing you know whatever it was not just in the shower like not me. just in the shower <laughs> yeah. and we I bet all she has a loved better, it I bet she has a better voice than I do she too. has a lovely lovely <laughs> yeah. voice I mean in fact her voice is so beautiful we had one of the nephews in the car with us one day and Sarah Vaughn came on the radio and he replied she sounds like I'm a G <laughs> <laughs> Right. Like okay, <laughs> maybe the other way around. But it that's, was the other way around, that's but telling. he heard it. Yeah. He heard it. Yeah. So we love to hear her sing. Um, of course, there was a period um, where we were singing jazz, and I'm using we loosely. Actually, my mother uh, would sing jazz, um, and then there was a period when the church combined with. Uh, Alice Coltrane and became the co-founders of the um, Vedantic Center here in San Francisco is where it started. Mm -hmm. And uh, they were founding officers. So it was the three of them, uh, Archbishop King, Reverend Mother Marina, and uh, Swami Turiya Sangeetananda. Is Archbishop King your dad? Archbishop King is my dad. Got it. Reverend Mother Marina is my mom. mom. Yes. Okay. And so, yeah. And so when she came out here and they can really tell that story better than I can. Mm -hmm. But the music evolved into something else uh, in that in that uh, joining. Mm -hmm. So we began singing bhajans, you know. And so as someone who was like 12 years old at the time, uh, I remember us going from just singing these these homespun tunes that we would sing about John Coltrane and the Holy Ghost and uh, to, you know, uh, Sri Ram, J. Ram, uh, you know, Chita Chora and Govinda, Gopala and all that. Eastern yes. religion. Eastern stuff. religion. So it's kind of East meets West. East meets West. And that never was anything unusual. It was just, it just made sense. It made sense to us, and and I think we we just sort of made it our own. It wasn't really until we started to travel outside of our our own circle Mm -hmm. and, you know, join with other ashrams Mm -hmm. that would come together and sing the bhajans that um, I noticed anyway that 
um, what we were doing was very different mm -hmm. um, from what other ashrams were doing. Got it. So we were like Eastern bhajans with a backbeat. Uh, and it was kind of amazing. We would always just kind of light the place on fire. I was going to say, was <laughs> yeah. it people liked it? They really, really liked well it. Yeah. How far did, or how extensively did y'all take this out? Like in, uh, geographically, I guess. Right. So um, I, I, as a child, I didn't travel with them all the time, but certainly locally we did things. But I do recall being on one of the recordings. I believe we recorded um, two, maybe three albums with Alice Coltrane, wow. with the Bajans, um, Radha, Radha Krishna mm -hmm. as one that I can remember. And yeah, so we, we hung out. <laughs> we did some things. So you said you were about 12 when this, when we started, this stuff yeah. Was going on. Yeah. So, what is that? Like sixth grade That's or so? That's sixth grade, yeah. Okay. Sixth and seventh, there? yeah. And was were these the Visitation Valley days for you, or? It was. Okay. Yeah, it was. Well, you want to tell folks what the neighborhood was like back then? You know, it was um, it was kind of beautiful. I was thinking about that neighborhood the other day. Um, and some of the neighbors, and I can remember it so clearly. Um, we had an Asian family right next door. Uh, a couple doors down, we had a, a, a white family, and across the street from them was another white family. Up the street from them was um, a black family. We had the Takamotos mm. <laughs> on the other side, mm -hmm. and and it was just this, and um, a there was a Latin family as well. So it was just this wonderful mix of um, people in this neighborhood. And all the kids, we all played together. Love it. Uh, we lived in a cul-de-sac. Oh, yeah, and yeah. And so, you know, kickball, oh, yeah. a little bit of baseball out there, handball uh, on the wall at the elementary school across the street. And Fun. there were tennis courts up the street at the junior high school. Mm -hmm. You could play tennis. And, and, of course, we all rode our bikes and the dirt hill was a big deal for oh, me. Yeah. Love the dirt hill. Yeah. Up, up and down, or <laughs> oh, just down. Oh man, just like <laughs> up and down it, on it, in it. Yeah, I was gonna. Say. <laughs> All of it. Dirt, dirt can be unforgiving <laughs> to oh, it was, bicycle wheels. It was wheels. wonderful. I love to see how dirty I could get and then exactly. get in the tub and just oh, mess yeah. it up. <laughs> totally. That, yeah. sh that showed you that you had a good time. Absolutely. Right? The dirty Absolutely. We'll find that gold next time. Yeah, Looking exactly. For that pot of gold. <laughs> so your parents were, were cool that y'all were out there because they knew. Well, we didn't have video games. I mean, we did Atari, but yeah. that was hardly captivating. You know, <laughs> it's like not like what kids have today. Right. Right. So we went outside, we played, you know, roller skates, bicycles, yeah. and skateboards, and yeah. I don't think you're that much older than me. I was like, we're, and, and Michelle, I think we're roughly the same age. Like, mm -hmm. I feel like we were the first generation, like when yeah. video games did come along, but we yeah. were still inventing our own games. Like yes. we were still crafty enough that we, because yes. we came from when you had to. Yes, <laughs> like, yes. So. I love to go to the arcade. Yeah. There was an arcade not you know down the street somewhat and you could go in there take your quarters and pac-man and oh, yeah. you know asteroids and everything <laughs> there was a bowling alley and um 
a drive-in theater. Yes. 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 Wow. So talk about different. I mean, yeah. Uh, clearly all over the city and all over the world is different than yes. this time. But yeah, I mean, some of those things, drive-ins are making a comeback. I don't think arcades are coming I, back anytime soon, but drive-ins. Drive-ins were cool. Yeah, they were. I mean, especially if you didn't like buying a ticket, you know, mm-hmm. you could just load in, everybody get down on the floor, throw a blanket <laughs> yep. and get in there. Yeah. You could get as many people in as you could possibly squeeze in. Sounds like a fun neighborhood. It was. Yeah. It really was. It was very diverse. I think it was a special time um, that just doesn't exist anymore. We right. kind of watched that neighborhood change yeah. while we were there. Yeah. Um, were you getting out and seeing other parts of the city at this time? Or, like, did, you know, were you familiar with other parts of San Francisco and or the Bay Area? Yeah, totally. Um, okay. We would go on, like, field trips. Mm-hmm. So it was... Um, you know, our parents would take us out to Fisherman's Wharf or, you know, Chinatown, um, mm-hmm. just to see different parts of the city. And the city was so exciting back then, you know, it was great to just go to Chinatown at night with all the lights and, of course, all the great food that's down mm-hmm. there. Uh, incredible. And my dad was quite... Um, a charismatic and still is um, individual. Mm-hmm. So we'd go to a restaurant and he would immediately just like, you know, make friends with the people who were serving. And uh, it was just this whole terrific experience for the family. We'd sit there and he would sort of entertain us all I love <laughs> with it. his wit and oh, entertaining yeah. the uh, people who were serving us. And you learn about other people that way too. And so for us, it was a great lesson because then you learn that these aren't just people serving you food. This guy is a opera singer at night, you know, when he sings cl- Chinese classical music and, mm-hmm. you know, they have children and they do things. And so it was wonderful. Yeah. I mean, a lot of kids might roll their eyes at their dad or mom being that way, but you're, right. you're absolutely right. That's where you get to, it's how you get to yeah. know these people and it, and it gives people dimension and it's, it gives you know. people dimensions and it teaches, I think it taught and I'll just speak for myself. Sure. It taught me um, uh, something about people skills, mm-hmm. you know, how to interact with people, um, not to be afraid of people mm-hmm. and not to be afraid to open up mm-hmm. to people and just have that little bit of um, vulnerability to yourself so that something happens. Reciprocation. Know? Exactly. Absolutely. Exactly. So yeah. you'd say you learned that from a pretty early age from your mostly your dad? I think so. I okay. mean, both of them were just they're just these super likable people. And um, I guess it could go both ways. You know, it's like if you're really trying to leave, <laughs> that's kind of hard because <laughs> right. everybody wants their attention. But yeah. Right. OK, so um, those are kind of your junior high, middle school days, I guess we're talking about. Did you, I'm assuming you went to high school in the city or? I did. I went to high school in the city. Um, At the time it was Woodrow Wilson High. Okay. And um, I would say not the greatest experience for Mm. me in the world Mm -hmm. um, being up there. I think I I just really lost my interest in school Mm. um, once I got up there. It just um, wasn't for me. Mm. And uh, eventually um, dropped out. Okay. 
And um, after dropping out after the uh, 11th grade, it just never settled with me. Mm-hmm. But one of the beautiful things about that I should mention is that my father is actually the one that suggested I drop out. Okay. And he said, like, you're not going to class anyway. Why don't you just drop out and hang out with me? Wow. And I was like, okay. <laughs> my mom was devastated. And, um, and I did. I hung out with my dad for a year. And I went to a lot of his meetings with him. And I sat and I just watched him talk to people and talk about grown-up things that I would have never experienced in the classroom. So it was a different kind of education exactly. for me. And um, being a big sister, it never settled with me to look at my brother and sister and say, I dropped out of high school. Hmm. And so um, after a year, I went back to high school, did not want a GED. I went back to high school and I finished my high school uh, diploma and just sort of, you know, I'll just bring it to where I am now, but um, as you know, I just finished my last class for my master's of theology. So there's a line. <laughs> there's Boom. a line. There's a line. Because it's not easy for me to talk about it because it feels like, okay, you kind of gave up. But no, uh, and when I look back, I, I was a part of a system that gave up on me. Exactly. You know, and so um, there's a difference there. And another thing, I, the older I get, um, I'm not saying I don't believe in education and don't, I fully believe in public right. schooling, et cetera, right. et cetera. But the expectation for a group of humans who are roughly the same age <laughs> to be at exactly the same pace and the whole right. is kind of crazy. It really and, is. And I feel like the ones, the kids, unfortunately, in our system, the ones who don't get it, Yes. as well or don't get it yes. at all are punished and it's like shouldn't it be kind of the opposite of that shouldn't those be the ones that are helped along and exactly. I don't know it's a whole thing but yeah it, okay so but but you made it I made it I you made it, it through despite okay. the odds <laughs> I love it yeah um and then so what happened after high school for you so after high school uh I was Jamming pretty hard with Mystic Youth. Okay. I was convinced I was going to be a rock and roll star as yes. the, like the female Bob Marley. Yes. And I was just going to sit in the studio and record all day and turn out tunes and help um, help people through my lyrics. Because mm-hmm. I, I, I loved playing music. I loved writing tunes and I loved performing. Mm. Um, is but, performing your favorite of all the... That's the best part. It is. That it is, is the best part. Yeah. But also... Coming up with a new tune and then mm-hmm. coming into the rehearsal and like, guys, check this out. And just start laying down the bass and then mm-hmm. the drummer gets on the drums and say, oh, yeah, we can do this. You know, and then Iskita grabs the mic and starts singing the lyrics that you wrote and it starts sounding like music and it's, it's incredible. Mm-hmm. So I, that part of the process, I really enjoyed the creative process. And of course, you know. John Coltrane talks about the creative process all the time. And, you know, we have to celebrate that that uh, creative urge within us all to create. Uh, that's really how things get going, right? <laughs> so, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I believe personally, every, you know, they say, oh, he's an artist, she's an artist. Yeah. They're artists. I, like, we all have creativity in us. We all have it. And it's yeah. all around us, you know. Uh, 
all of all of nature, mm-hmm. everything that's around us is this beautiful um, process of creation and creativity and inspiration. Um, I have a, a aunt, she's a jazz singer, Ann Mack, and she mentioned something uh, a couple of weeks ago. She said, you know, you can hear the songs of melodies in the leaves of the trees, mm. the wind blowing in the leaves of the trees. I just thought that was so profound. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking, no, you can hear the melodies, <laughs> <laughs> songs blowing through. So I'm listening. I'm listening now for the melodies blowing yeah. in the leaves of the trees. For me, it's not only nature. Like, uh, yeah. I don't know if you've heard it over here. I know I can hear it from my house, but the Golden Gate Bridge sings now. Have you it heard? Sings? Have you heard the Golden Gate Bridge? Something about, it's not their, it's not the, um, they didn't do the suicide barrier, mm. forgive my, uh, anyway, um, but they did some something on the ocean side of the bridge Okay. last year, the year before, and now when a certain angle and speed of wind hits that, you can hear it. I've heard people can hear it as far as like Coal Valley over there. Oh my goodness, I drive over that bridge three times a week. It might be something you've heard and you're like, I don't know what that is, but now you'll... I'll be listening for the leaves and And the bridge bridge now. (laughs) Okay, I got my work cut out for me. Yeah. Oh wait, so going back to uh, Mystic Youth and your time after high school, were y'all recording? Were you touring were you playing out now that you're a little older like were you yes, playing in clubs or we were okay. we were we were gigging really hard and rehearsing really hard we were one of the tightest bands oh i'm just gonna say it we were next to the caribbean all-stars we were the tightest band in the bay area okay and uh, the caribbean all-stars were actually our mentors mm. and um yeah, we learned a lot from watching them and, and from other people, too. There was some great talented around here. I, I just have to remember and say my brother's name, Ja Big, who um, is no longer with us. He, he died, but uh, he was just a great talent. Big heart, heart like a teddy bear. Yeah. Uh, really just a giving spirit. Um, there were just some great artists that we were able to look up to. That was Wanika King-Stevens. On the next episode of Storied San Francisco, Wanika will tell us how she started in radio and the African Orthodox Church. Part two drops Thursday. Music for the podcast was produced, performed, and curated by Otis McDonald. Original photography is by Michelle Kilfeather. Aaron Lim of Bitch Talk Podcast is our contributing producer. And the show is produced and hosted by me, Jeff Hunt. Now in our fourth season, we have more than 150 episodes available on our website, storiedsf.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you can, subscribe, rate, and review our show so we can reach even more folks. And if you'd like to drop us an old-fashioned email, we'd love that. The address is storiedsf at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Stay safe, stay strong, stay healthy, and we'll see you next time. This podcast is a proud member of the BFF.FM podcast network. Learn more at podcast.bff.fm. BFF.FM.
FM, best frequencies forever.